if you've been around, you know that I typically do preach a long time, um, verse by verse, um, through a book. Uh, and, and so, for example, we are currently studying the Gospel of Mark um, together. Uh, but this weekend and next, we're taking a little break from Mark to focus on, on, on volunteering, on, on serving, identifying our, our passions and gifts and skills and experiences and rolling that all together to determine uh, where God would have us serve together in this local church, this body of believers that we call Alliance Bible Fellowship. Now, as I was thinking about this week, Tana and I were driving down the road. I reminded her that I would not be in Mark um, this Sunday. I mean, the next passage in Mark is a naked, demon-possessed guy, hardly a passage for volunteering unless you are talking about the nursery. Um, and so... <laughs> And so, and also, this, this is a bit out of my wheelhouse, you know, having to come up with a topic and, and then trying to find a text to support that, uh, what I want to say. It's not typically what I do. So I asked Hannah, my wife, well, what angle do you think I should take to encourage people to, to visit our volunteer fair and, and to sign up and, and to serve? And, and she, not making this up, she quickly responded tongue-in-cheek, well, guilt and shame always seem to work. <laughs> I mean, isn't that the way we normally do it? I mean, we talk about uh, ministry opportunities in the church and try to shame people into signing up. We, we say things like, well, the children need you, and then we're desperate, and, and you've been gifted to serve, and so for the glory of God, serve. And, and, and some of those things are, are true. Service is an act of obedience. It is true that we need you. After all, Paul likens the church family to a, uh, to a physical body, you know, hands and feet and eyes and ears, and, and we each have our functions, our, our spiritual gifting, and he even says the body suffers if you don't serve. Again, true, but, but today I'd like to take a different approach. I'm going to suggest uh, some, some things to you this morning, and, and they are these. First, serving the body is best for this body. Second, maybe surprisingly, serving the body is actually best for you. And then serving the body results in great and glorious praise to our Christ. Consider the number of passages that talk about how um, serving one another is good, indeed best for the body of Christ, that, that is the local church. I mean, certainly there is that passage in 1 Corinthians 12, he actually launches into a three-chapter discussion in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 to talk about spiritual gifts. And, and it reminds us that each of us have been gifted to, to serve. And when I use that word spiritual gifts, all of a sudden maybe that causes you a little tension because there's a lot of discussion and division over spiritual gifts today. And, and this leads to one of the problems with spiritual gifts. Far too many view spiritual gifts quite selfishly. That is, what is in it for me? And so Paul reminds us as he jumps into this three-chapter discussion that spiritual gifts are actually given for others. He says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. What's the purpose? For the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit, he goes on to explain, is to be found in spiritual gifts. That is, the Holy Spirit fills the believer and gives him or her abilities to be able to serve. The question is, serve who? Himself, herself? No. It's for the common good, for the good of the local body. That is, the local church. And 
And then he goes on to give a, a list of, of some of those spiritual gifts. Uh, again, somewhat controversial, I suppose. The words of wisdom and words of knowledge and faith and, and healing and miracles and prophecy and discernment of spirits and, and tongues and interpretation of tongues. Um, when you stop and think about it, even tongues, that is to be defined, by the way, as speaking in a language unknown to the speaker, even tongues are given for the common good. Too often in churches today, spiritual gifts, especially that one, are seen for, that's given for me to edify the user. It may edify the user, but that's not the primary purpose. Gifts are given for the common good. Later in the chapter, Paul expands on the list. He speaks of apostles and prophets and, and, and teachers and, again, healing and helps and administration. And then he mentions tongues again. And there's another list in Romans 12, another in Ephesians 4, another in 1 Peter 4, although that one, I think that he actually summarizes the gifts under two umbrellas, speaking and serving gifts. We'll talk about that in a moment. Here's my point. You have been gifted to serve for the good of this church. It is best for the church that you use what God has given you to serve together with us. In fact, in, in that passage in Ephesians 4, uh, Paul said it this way. He speaks of apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and, and teachers. He says that they have been given to the church. He, here's the reason. For leadership has been given for the equipping of the saints. That is for believers to do the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Again, we see we use our spiritual gifts to build up the body, which is the church. In this context, the local church where we gather to worship and to, and to serve. So, so, so why do we serve each other? Well, he tells us in the next verse. We build each other up. Notice these amazing words, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man or woman, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Wow, that's a lot of Christianese. Those are lofty words, a lofty goal, entirely attainable. If we as leaders call you, equip the saints for works of service, and the saints serve within their giftedness. Look at that unity of faith in the knowledge of Christ, maturity of faith in the fullness of Christ. Is that incredible? Isn't that what we want? Isn't that where we're headed? We, we can't do that alone. We need, we need each other in pursuit of Christ. And so clearly serving each other is for our collective best. But not only that, I am actually suggest, I'm actually suggesting this morning that serving is also for your best. Far from using guilt or shame to motivate you, I want to encourage you with the truth that serving within your giftedness and passions, when you do that, you will find greatest joy. You see, in serving, you will be doing that for which God has equipped and called you. I mean, what possible greater joy can you find than doing that for which God made you? I've told you this before. Pastor Bill Hybels of Willow Creek Community Church up in Chicago is a church of, I don't know, 20,000 or something. He's always talking about 
about serving in the local church. And every once in a while, he says, someone will ask him, don't you ever feel guilty about pressing people into service in the church? I mean, it seems rather self-serving, don't you think? To which Hybels replies, I get to invite these people to be used by God in ways they never imagined. We had the opportunity to empower them to, to develop gifts they didn't even know they had. We can cheer them on as they courageously assume new levels of kingdom responsibility. Notice that fill their hearts to overflowing. I believe that. And, and we get to see the looks on their faces when they realize God has used them to touch another human being. Like when two or three hundred of you were here yesterday serving our special needs community. And I got to see the looks on your faces. No, he says, I never really felt guilty about inviting people to become volunteers in our church. Never. And neither will I. Because I believe you will find greatest joy in serving our God in the way that he has designed you to serve. One, one final thought before I talk about some opportunities that are before you today. I, I can't address this topic of serving without highlighting the, the, the ultimate result being the glory of God. Peter says it this way in that passage in 1 Peter 4, as each one, everyone, if you know Jesus, each one has received a special gift, a spiritual gift, use it, employ it, put it to work in serving one another as good stewards, better stop right there, good stewards means that's been something that's entrusted to you for your use. And by the way, stewardship implies that there will be a day of accounting, just to say it. Uh, good stewards of the grace of God, whoever speaks, this is where he divides it up, whoever speaks is to, to do so as one who speaks the utterances of God, and whoever serves uh, does it as one who is serving in the strength that God supplies. Do you see what he just said with the spiritual gift that you have? If your gift involves speaking, that when you speak, he says you are actually speaking the very words of God, and when you serve, you, you are actually serving in the power that God supplies. You're serving in his power. This is incredible. And, but, but, but Peter goes on, we do this so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Y yes, we do all of this for each other, but that ultimately that is for the glory of our great God through Christ, who deserves all of the glory. Who needs guilt and shame? I don't need to guilt you. I don't need to shame you into serving. I can't think of better motivations than these. It's for the good of this body, this church family. It's for your good, and it's the glory of our Christ. If you need other motivation than that, you're dead. This is incredible. So today, we, we, we've set up, we've been announcing it for weeks, we set up a volunteer fair. Danielle, Danielle our, our, our office manager, uh, she's going to be coming in a moment to, to walk us through a, a three-step process, very, very clear. But before she does that, let me share some exciting news, some exciting changes that are happening um, in our church. First, as you likely know, our builders have begun some significant work in our new building. They're, they're working, they've been working for weeks now, five days a week they're out there. Here's the plan. The plan is to finish the foyer and the educational space by summer's end. 
Now, now that educational space will house early childhood on the first floor, which we're going to call Little Alliance. Isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. The second floor <coughs> has six classrooms for adult education space. Let me say that again. We're going to have six classrooms for adult education space. Uh, additionally, they are, they are right now doing some work in the auditorium such that, are you ready? When they are finished this summer, late July, early August, when they're finished with this phase, we will receive our certificate of occupancy, occupancy and we can begin using at least half of that building, that building that we began in 2009. This is incredible. This means th this summer, every ministry... Every ministry in this church, except our Sunday morning worship, because the auditorium will not be finished at this time, it's going to be well on its way. In fact, we're going to be about a million and a half dollars away from finishing the auditorium. Now, if that sounds like a lot of money, just keep in mind that this is a seven, over $7 million project. And, and we, are, we are well on our way to finishing it. In fact, I would say to you, if you've got a million and a half lying around, ah, i got a deal for you. Every ministry this summer is going to be relocated except, except for this one. So let me go through them. Little Alliance, which is birth through four years of age, is going to move into their new space in the, in the building. Uh, incidentally, that, the new, that early childhood space will be very secure. It's going to have exterior exits and, and bathrooms between each classroom for, for uh, both ease and safety. So they're going to move to the new building, and then we're going to take Kid Zone, which is kindergarten through fifth grade, and we're going to move it downstairs, right off the, right off the commons there, to where our early childhood space is now, but that's going to be empty. So we're going to move Kid Zone down there, and they're going to be in rooms 11 to 17. That means that our second floor, which is where Kid Zone is now, is going to be empty. That's where our offices are. Those are going to remain there. I like my office. Leave it alone. But... <clears throat> rooms 23 to 25 in the Kid Zone Theater, having been vacated, will then become the new youth wing. Now, now, that may not sound very exciting to you, but I want you to understand that that means that our youth are actually going to have bathrooms. They are going to have more room than they have ever, ever had before. This is incredibly exciting. In the, in the second floor where the offices are, youth wing, right next to my office, I can't wait. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. Now, if you've been around, again, you know that we have not had space for adult Sunday school classes on Sundays for a long time. That's why most of our classes have met on Wednesday evenings. And, but as of August 28th, by the way, you can kind of log that date away. That's our go date. As of August 28th date, which is uh, when we're going to do these changes, we are going to be offering adult Sunday school classes Sunday school classes, believe it or not, on Sundays. We're going to call them connection groups because that's what, that's what we want to happen in those, in those Sunday school classes. We, we want connection to happen, and we're, they're going to be largely organized around life stages. For example, staff, we've been talking about this for months, and we came up with, you know, like early adults and young families and families with teens and empty nesters and seniors, you know, those are the typical uh, divisions. But, but then as we thought about those names, we didn't want to be restrictive, and, and we certainly didn't want to suggest that you've got to, that these groups are only for married people with families. We 
Listen to me very carefully. We love our singles, and we want them to feel encouraged and feel welcome to be part of these groups. So regardless of your life stage. So we decided that we needed to come up with some new creative names for our these lines. And by the way, when I say life stage group, I want you to understand that the, the, the lines are not going to be sharply uh, uh, drawn. And, and if you want to, some people ask me after the first couple of services, can, what about an intergenerational group? Yes, do it. That's fine. I have no issue with that. But we are going to have these life stage groups that we've come up with these new creative names. Drum roll, please. Ready? Drum roll. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Drum roll, ready? Stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, and stage five. I know. It's, it took us months to come up with that. And um, <clears throat> so let me define them for you. Stage one will, will be for early adults or young adults, those who are post-college through perhaps in their, their, their early 30s. Now, uh, it's not just Alliance Bible Fellowship, but churches across this country are missing a very important demographic, and we don't want to miss it. And, and, and so this stage is going to be focused on those post-college adults. Remember, the lines are not solidly drawn. Married, single, doesn't matter. These stages will overlap. Everybody is welcome. Stage two will be for those kind of late 20s through maybe late 30s, okay? So I hope you're identifying your stage to to include those, certainly with young families, but again, those who are not married but find themselves in that life stage. Stage three will be for those, think late 30s through early 50s. These are families with teens, again, others that are not married that find themselves in that life stage. Stage four, it's mine. (laughs) <laughs> it's going to be for, for like age 50s to retirement. We, we used to call them empty nesters. That's what I am, and I'm empty nester, but they keep coming home. <laughs> I can't wait to hang out with you stage four people. But, but, but stage five will be those in their re- retirement years, think seniors are encouragers. But, but, but again, we're, the lines are not solidly uh, drawn. And obviously in a church our size, there will likely be more than one uh, uh, of each of these connection groups. Now, an obvious question then becomes this, how are these different than our life groups, uh, which are our small groups? That is a great question. So let me draw a little vision for you if I can. First, our connection groups are a bit larger, giving you an opportunity to connect with people in your same stage of life. You're going to have an opportunity to rub shoulders, to hang out with people, a lot more people than, than, than eight or ten that are in life group. Critically important. We want to continue to encourage life group participation, but th- these will give you an opportunity to, to connect with a larger group of people. Think of these as almost many congregations, many churches. I don't care what you call them, but, but these are an opportunity for, for you to connect with with people. Second, the teaching within those groups will be focused on the specific needs of that life stage. Third, these smaller communities are going to multiply opportunities for service. What do I mean? Well, again, in each group, we're envisioning a leadership group in these many congregations. We're thinking like a leader and a teaching coordinator and an outreach coordinator and a and, a, and a, uh, a hospitality coordinator. But, but don't see these people as the ones doing all of the work. Remember, we're talking about all of us being gifted to serve. And so this is an opportunity for all of us to, 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 to be involved. Here's what I want you to know. I want to encourage you to be involved. I want you to start thinking about it right now. What stage are you? I'm stage four. What stage are you? Okay, I want you to be thinking about how you can be involved in a connection group 
But in order for those to be successful, we need your participation and we need some of you to be in leadership positions. And those are identified out at the volunteer table, uh, at the volunteer tables at the connection group table. So, so we, we want you to be thinking about that. A couple of other, other highlights, then I'll finish up since I'm going to be past 20 minutes and I'm not buying him three lunches, just to be clear. No, one. Okay. As, as, as the staff and elders thought about our Sunday worship service schedule, we thought um, now would be a good time to consider reviewing our Sunday service schedule. As you know, we have three worship services um, each Sunday, 815, 945, 1115. How many of you are typically 1115? How many of you have ever even seen the 815? Didn't think so. Okay. Uh, we've already been through this. We have been in these three services since 2005. That early service, 815, does, does something for us. It provides relief from that second service, which is quite full. But, the, but the, if those first service people, if they came to second service, there would not be seats. But, but the truth is this. It's not really at a very opportune time. In fact, during those 11 years that we've had that very early service, it's fluctuated a little bit, but it, it's settled around 120 people each week. This morning we had 127. So we thought it might be time to consider, emphasis on the word consider, offering a third service at a more opportune time. So as you also know, in summer, we typically go to two worship services at 9 and 1030. We're going to do that. You can log this date away, May 29th. We're going to go to two worship services, 9 and 10.30, but then on August 28th, which is go date, right, when we're going to make all of these changes, when we add that third service back in, we're considering adding it on Sunday afternoons at 5 o'clock. It will be an identical, services to, identical service to that 9 and 10.30 service. There are lots. We have been discussing this for years. We have been discussing this very intently as a staff and elders for months. There are lots of really good reasons to do this. Again, it's a much better time. It will allow um, for growth. We think that more people will come to a 5 o'clock service. People who had to be away for the weekend can come back and, and join us for a 5 o'clock service. It's going to alleviate our parking problem. You know when you guys come at 11, 15 and there aren't any parking spaces because somebody's preaching too long? We're hoping that that might eliminate that and we could divide this group up a little bit um, uh, more equally. And so, those connection groups, by the way, will meet uh, at the 9 o'clock and the 10.30 time, and some will meet after that 5 o'clock time. They're going to be meeting throughout the, the, the day on Sunday. It doesn't even have to be on Sunday. You know, that Hannah church plant that we, uh, Hannah, that, that Rasco church plant that we call it meets on Wednesday night, we're going to continue to let them meet on Wednesday nights. We, we are going to try this to see how it works. We, we, we think that it's a good thing. But we'd like to plan for it. So we're going to, listen to me, we're going to send out a survey to you in the next day or two. And it's going to be a simple question. If we go to that service schedule, 9, 10, 30, and 5 o'clock in the afternoon, which one would you likely attend? Pick one and say submit. There may be a second question on there. We're still talking through that. But we, we, we just want to hear from you. We think it's a good idea. We just want to know what you think, all right? Which one would you attend? Of course, moving services around like that is going to multiply, again, service opportunities. We'll need more children's ministry workers. We're going to need to multiply our worship teams, obviously, so that, so that we can staff those. 
There are tables out there for you to consider serving us in this way. So here's what I want you, I want you to consider that. Uh, we've been announcing this volunteer fair for some time now. We trust that you have been seeking the Lord as to how you might be involved. Again, I would remind you for your good, for the good of the church, and for the glory of our great Christ. So in a moment, I'm going to dismiss you. Not bad, not bad. It wasn't 20, but not bad. To dismiss you, to wander through, through the fair and to consider how you may serve. Okay, so would you, would, you, would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your presence with us today. Thank you for the, for the church of Jesus Christ. We are the church and, and you've called us to yourself and you've gifted us and you've, you, you've called us to serve, to serve each other and to serve you by serving each other. And so Father, I, I believe that you are calling us as a church to the next level. You're calling us to a level of, of, of service, multiplying, equipping the saints and, and multiplying workers so that we can reach this community with the very good news of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.